Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What's up, nerds? This is Just a Couple of Arslings, the Last Kingdom podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jessica Toomer. And I am Melissa Fixie. We are writers for Sci-Fi Wires fangirls who started recapping The Last Kingdom in Season 3, so we decided to bring that nerdy, horny energy to Podcastlandia. Jessica, how are you? Melissa, <laughs> I am so fucking tired. Like, uh. not to be that white millennial, but Mercury is in retrograde and I am feeling it right now. Yeah, this month, I mean, I know we're only like in like for a couple days, um... We've just hit November, but it's just, I'm so tired all the time. Like, I know seasonal depression is real. It's very Um, real. When it's getting dark at (laughs) 3.30 in the afternoon and the sun starts going away, I'm like, man, this is not good. (laughs) Yeah, I just want to, like, curl up in a ball and just, like, do nothing for the rest of the day. So, um, it's been challenging. Unfortunately, (laughs) neither of us are independently wealthy, so that's not really an option. Yeah, and I I just can't see myself ever having the patience to marry like someone for wealth because mm. you still have to like pretend to like like them and <laughs> you know put up with them and right. I just couldn't do that. So it's all on me right. to make my money. Right. Um, no family money, no sugar daddy. <laughs> we are we are it's cursed. Hard. <laughs> it's a hard life that we live. Um but speaking of relationships, that's what our, our small talk segment is going to be, yes. guys, because, um, yeah, you just can't get away from it. Twitter had a lot to say today, so yeah, let's talk about it. it's social media, and, it, you know, it's holidays. I think that's just, like, the whole thing is, like, you just kind of focus on uh, who you're dating or who you're not dating. It's cuffing season. Keanu Reeves is dating someone, you guys. Yes. So sorry. Go, Keanu. <laughs> sorry if you had these, like, delusions that <laughs> You were one day going to end up with Keanu Reeves. It's you know, not going to happen. You know, I never really understand that when people are, like, mad that celebrities start dating other people. I'm like, really? Yeah, the only like thing keeping the, the only thing keeping you apart was the fact that they're dating this other person? All right. All right. Let's... <laughs> like, if, if she or he wasn't in the picture, like, it would you be... would have a clear road. Right. Yes. Oh, God. Yeah, I do love that. Um, it And then it gets weird when, like, the opposite is true, though, too. It gets weird when people are like, oh, my God, I love them together. They're perfect. You're like, you don't know. You don't know <laughs> like, them. I know. I'm guilty of that sometimes. I'm like, oh, they're so beautiful and perfect. Of course, it's amazing. But, yeah, that idealization isn't great either. But still, let's talk about Keanu Reeves, his his possibly new, possibly sort of long-term relationship that just became public. I feel like it's the second. I, feel I like think it's so, too. been long-term, and he's just now feeling comfortable enough to like put it out there because he's a pretty private pretty private like down to earth really well adjusted dude so well and it's kind of it's kind of sad too because like he hasn't been public in probably I think like 20 years or something like that with a relationship and he has like all this tragedy in his backstory Mm. like he was with this woman and they were pregnant and then she got in a car accident I think and died and lost the baby and it was just like a really awful tragic situation and so my heart like bleeds for him that he's you know has this pain in his background and so I'm just like yes Keanu please I'm so happy that you're finding love again okay and also so he's he like stepped out um with Alexandra Grant who's an yes. artist yes um and they've been friends for a we'll long get, time yeah we'll get to the age part of it but like I just want to like sit in the friends to lovers i know it's my favorite romance trope it's so good (laughs) it's the best and they worked their friends and co-workers girls yes they worked on a book together they started a publishing house together and then worked on a couple of books like ugh, the foundation is there the dream Yeah. yeah um but I think everyone kind of freaked out over the fact that so Keanu Reeves is fifty five. Insane. Like, let that set in for right. a second. Right. Um, Very well and, preserved. 
Yeah. <laughs> She's something. The immortal. It's um, <laughs> immortal. Uh, Alexandra Grant, um, his girlfriend, is 46. Yes. So there is, there's still an age gap, you know. Um, it's not like Dennis Quaid. Um, oh, my God. Age gap. Oh, Where disgusting. he's, like, dating them in the womb at this point. But, um, yeah, and everyone freaked out. So when they, they went to this film gala um, and... You know, she's, I don't, she has, she's 46 years old, but she's not dying her hair. So she has like this beautiful white, like beautiful, hair. beautiful like, gray I, hair. I yeah. hope to get to that color like one day. I know. Um, I really like, want to be. actively bleach my hair to get to that color. That's probably all <laughs> natural for her. So I know. Off. <laughs> I know. I really like, I have such thin hair, so I'll never have like the thick mane that she does. But I really love to be one of those like cool old ladies. Not that she's an old lady, but like. When I go gray. I want yeah. to go gray. I want to go gray with, like, sophistication and style. Yes. Um, and I feel like I'm going to go gray like that bird lady in, um, <laughs> like, Home Alone, too. Oh, no. <laughs> Where it's just, like, stringy and it looks like, like, wet popcorn. Right. Well, um, hopefully you won't have all those pigeons, so, you know. I don't. I'll have cats. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so so the whole, like, kind of fuss was, one, he has a girlfriend. He's pretty private, so he we didn't know that. Two is she's in his, like, kind of same age bracket realm. I don't know. But the fact that she's 46, he's 55, there is still that age gap. And yet people are like, good for Keanu for dating a woman his age. It's like, let's let's unpack how kind of weird that is. To I know. And, you know, and, like, it's it's great. And, like, yes. I think it's really important that he's, you know, dating an accomplished woman who has her own skills and her own life and is, you know, older. Mm -hmm. Um, But the fact that he's getting, like, such fawning praise just shows, like, how the bar is in hell. You know what I mean? Like The bar is buried six feet under. Right. um, Which is where a lot of these older men will be when their teenage girlfriends are, like, entering, you know, their 20s. Right. So... It's like it's really rough. Um, like I, I'm glad rough. that I know. I'm glad that it's happening. I'm glad he's happy. I'm glad she seems awesome. But like she's still a decade younger than him, and the fact that everybody's like, "Oh my god, same age," is like, all right, that's yeah, that's odd. I, I mean, and I don't want to like you know genderize too much, but I feel like you know whenever we see these stories about older men and I, I mean let's be real it's usually like older men either they're in, you know in power or they're celebrities or mm-hmm. politicians whatever um dating younger women it's it feels like it's always on the women to be like ooh that's gross right whereas i think men might look at it as like oh good on you you know you've you're getting in that younger woman like it's right. it's almost like a kind of middle age rite of passage at this point to mm-hmm. you know you get the red red corvette the red whatever and and a younger woman and it's so gross and i think seeing how everyone's reacting to keanu like just dating like normally dating a normal you know woman that's his age that they probably have a lot in common because she's around his age it's like it kind of makes you realize oh like i know that we're calling out these dudes that are dating younger women but like we should really be making a thing of it because it's gross yeah well and i think with a nine-year age difference if a woman was dating a man who was nine years younger than her it would be like a thing you know like oh oh, god yeah she would be a cougar and so they would not be seen as the same age i don't think but yeah i think um the expectations between men and women in relationships is so different and another example of that that was sort of going around twitter today was emma watson who was talking about being single at 30 and how um you know she said to she was talking to british vogue and she said if you've not built a home if you do not have a husband if you do not have a baby and you're turning 30 and you're not in some incredibly secure stable place in your career or you're still figuring things out there's just an incredible amount of anxiety and she talked about how um she's happily single and it took her a long time to sort of get to that point but she sort of refers to it as being self-partnered and when i first read that i was like okay like just say you're single that's kind of pretentious but i liked the idea of sort of reframing that to being more of a positive thing and it's also it's insane to me that people would give emma watson who is so accomplished by like any metric that 
if because she's not married and has a baby that anybody would like give her a hard time about that because like she's a super famous actress she's you know she's used her position to be an activist and really work towards making a difference but like there was still this fuss around her reaching 30 or almost being 30 and not being married and just the expectations on men and women are so different and i'm just i'm very tired <laughs> <laughs> I'm exhausted. I need a nap. Um, For like a year. (laughs) I feel like, and, you know, talking about, um, you know, Emma Watson and the anxiety, it's sometimes it's not even, you know, sometimes it's not even kind of vocalized from outside sources. It can be something that you like nurture within yourself because we've internalized all these messages that yeah yeah by 30 you know whether you're a man or woman you should have this this and this and your shit should be figured out and all that different stuff and that's just not how the way it's not the way the world works anymore certainly not for women because Mm -hmm. you know we're not staying at home we're not you know taking care of babies and um yeah it made me sad to think that out of all of us, Emma Watson. Emma I mean, Watson. Just our angel. I know. Like icon, would think that way. But I like the term self-partnering. I mean. Yeah, I kind of. If you want to say single, say single. Right. But. You know, I. Self-partnering is pretty cool, too. I came around to it, like, you know, over the course of thinking about it a lot today. Because I am 30 and single with no children. Um, yeah. And. But I think you made a really good point saying that it's. You know, we internalize these messages and all that. So a lot of it is fixing your own thinking because of how, you know, certain ideals are, you know, enforced by culture. And so self-partnering, I think, I don't know, I've, I've come around to it and I think it's it's a sign that she's done a lot of internal work to be kinder to herself. And I respect mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I think when you say you're single, it's like, like you're almost missing something like there's right. another half of you that's not there yet or something and that's just so that's so not true that's so off base so if it helps you to say that you're self-partnered and not like just single then by all means mm. like go for it like yeah whatever i'm perfectly happy saying that i'm going to be an unmarried hag for the rest of my days <laughs> <laughs> Do I prefer you. the term. I prefer the term harpy, but hag is good too. You know what? Yeah, sea witch. I don't care. Um, Shrieking banshee on the moors. Let's go. A pigeon lady in the park. <laughs> yeah, I embrace it all. But you know what? Emma Watson is. She's she's got class. She's Emma so Watson. She's right, right. Um, speaking of people who are involuntarily self-partnered do we (laughs) that's a rough segue i'm sorry but we did it so we're gonna Uh, go with it (laughs) season three episode two of the last kingdom ushred is in a rough spot like a really rough spot sure yeah well his uh his wife gisela is dead but just you know mourn put that nail on the coffin and she's been um you know, she's died while he was off, and so her her body has been buried in a um, Christian cemetery. A Christian ceremony, Christian cemetery. It's holy ground, mm-hmm. um, and that's just not cool with Uhtred for so many reasons. Um, yeah. Mainly because that's not what Gisela would have wanted, and he knows that. So yeah, uh, it's a rough it's a rough thing to to come back to this news that like yes, your wife is dead. It's even worse to come back and and to know that she her her final resting place and and all of that has been decided by people who just didn't know her and probably didn't care for her so Mm. um i get it i get where the angst is coming from yeah so um utrid and hild and finnan um they go to the cemetery and dig up her body so she can be burned like a pagan and honestly like if you're not willing to help me dig up my dead wife are you really my friend so hild and finnan really showed that they're real bros. Yeah, that's Uchid. the medieval like ride or die test. Will you yes. help me consecrate this holy ground? <laughs> right, right. Help me find real rest for my dead wife. Yeah. Um. And so you know, obviously, it, it's so emotional to see. I it mean, is. Uchid, like breaks down. It's so sad. And I think you know this this time around. I really like felt for him because I did come to love Gisela and you. I got I paid more attention to their relationship, so it makes Me so too. much more sense now, um, you know, to see how he's like kind of just losing it over this. Yeah, um, really deeply affected. 
and he's not thinking straight. And uh, if he was, you know, he would he would have maybe gone to Alfred first. Like I don't know, probably not. Actually, I don't <laughs> I think so. He would go ask for permission, but like that's ask never for been his mo. He doesn't never. even ask for forgiveness <laughs> afterwards. He's just like right. I'm gonna do it. He's like, like I was right, so <laughs> I'm not gonna apologize. Screw you, old man. Um, yeah, and so that of course doesn't fly and but before we get to like all of that we've got Athelwald really like really ramping up the scheming yeah. in this in this episode like he sees that there's an opening like Alfred's dying everybody knows it and Edward is you know he's very young he's you know in love with this peasant girl and like knocked her up and he's had a very messy youthful period of his life and so he's not really quite ready to assume the throne so Athelwald is like all right I'm gonna start sowing seeds of dissension and this is my time to take back what he right what he really really thinks is his that was stolen from him yeah and so the way that he is going to do that um because he is a pretty smart shitster is Mm. to cause this kind of rift between Alfred and Uhtred and he it's kind of a bit of luck that he sees them going to the graveyard and digging up Gisela's grave. I'm sure he would have found another way if that hadn't presented itself. But right. um, <clears throat> he goes to... What's that dude's name? Brother Godwin. I wrote it down because I kept forgetting oh it, too. God, yeah, you're in the past. <laughs> um, yeah, Brother Godwin. This is the monk who's in the wheelchair. He has these vision- visions. He's also, like, a total fucking creep. So right. Athelwald basically bribes him with the possibility of hand jobs in the future from pretty girls. So, uh... Fondas and fondling is the uh, new, um, you know, trashy right. fuckboy pickup line, I guess. Right. Hander Jackson is out. Fondling is in. <laughs> um, <laughs> Wait, was, was Hander Jackson ever in? <laughs> I think it is. Okay. Um... <laughs> it's it's clever and i think in 2019 we need like new ways to like reinvent and to laugh and so yeah if someone said that i'd probably be like (laughs) all right maybe let's let's talk you seem interesting (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so he basically is like all right let's make utrid look really bad with the help of this monk and so uh, Bayoka is sent to bring Uhtred before Alfred and is like, hey, man, this is really bad. You did a bad thing. Um, and yeah, everybody's super pissed that um, he dug up Gisla and wrecked the consecrated ground. And Aleswith is a real B word about it. Yeah, I mean, it's just so interesting to me because I feel like the last time we really saw Aleswith, um, well, I mean, we saw her in, you know, season three, episode one. But when this whole Ethel Flood shit was going down, it was like Uhtred could not be there fast enough for her. You know, it's like, oh, we need Uhtred. We need Uhtred to fix this. And now I think, you know, we've had a time jump and we can see that those old kind of, um, you know, bad feelings between everyone, they've just like festered and grown. Yeah, um, yeah. And, yeah, it, it really shows in how Aylesworth kind of approaches this whole thing. And even just, I have to say, you know, like, at least Alfred is like, you know what, I understand that you're upset. Gisela was mm. a good woman. Like, all this different stuff. Anytime Alfred, like, you know, said anything remotely kind about Gisela, Aylesworth's just over here like, ugh. And it's like, come on, girl. She's dead. <laughs> I know. And, you know, Bayoko was there who was like, hey, remember how Uhtred has been your ride or die for years? Like, maybe give him some slack because his wife is dead while he was off serving you. And, you know, it's just there's so many there's so many people speaking on behalf of Uhtred. And then this fucking priest comes out and he calls Gisela a whore and says she deserved to die and all this awful stuff and everybody witnessed that like everybody witnessed and saw that he was an antagonist like a serious antagonist he was completely goading him on and so Uhtred slaps him in the face which I think for a person who was healthy that would have you know been okay but Brother Godwin is not in the best of health and so when he hits the ground 
he dies. Like, straight up dies from a slap. The bitch slap of death. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. He deserved it, um, and I feel no He did. <laughs> right. Like, I, no one will miss him. No one will mourn him. Especially <clears throat> not the girls who were supposed to fondle him. So, Ugh. um... <laughs> and burnt. Brother Godwin. She was of no greater worth than the witch Skate, whom he has brought to the... Um, yeah, so it's pretty bad. And everybody's like, holy shit, this is really bad. Uhtred has to flee and he's got his bros stationed outside the house to guard the door. And it's really great. Um, yeah, got some like A plus Finnan and Cedric action there. Love it. came in for the assist. Like, yeah, so good. Oh my gosh, I love that, um the the little exchange where Hilda's like you know quit acting like children and she she goes into the the hut and Siap is like well you let the the nun in but you wouldn't let me in they're like well we're afraid of the nun <laughs> right we're afraid of the abbess I'm like yes you yeah, should fe- you should fear Hill <laughs> do not make me step on your Irishman well that is what I will do now for goodness sake stop behaving like children you are goading him. I was held and enjoying it. Yeah, I loved that whole... I mean, you just see how um, how close this group is and, and, like, they're willing to to kind of go up against, you know, Alfred's entire army, like, for each other. I mean, I think that's really... They've come a long way. Um, yeah. And that bond gets tested. I mean, this entire season, that bond gets tested. But I think especially this episode as we go forward. Yeah. You know, I think so for now, like, enjoy. Enjoy Finnan, like, being a cocky little shit and, like, you know, antagonizing Stiapa because it's the best. Yeah, it's so good. Um, but, Hill, you know, for every, you know, ride or die Finnan, you need to have a Hild there also to kind of talk you down from your worst impulses. Sure. Um, so she, you know, she goes to see Uhtred and she really encourages him to go and talk with Alfred. And um, because Alfred, you know, it's, Alfred, is he's such a frustrating character because you know he's sensible and you know that he understands where Uhtred is coming from in this situation. Like, he he witnessed what happened. Like, he knows that he was goaded into it. But at the same time, he's so stuck on, you know, his ideals that it's going to be hard for him to sort of shake from that. But, like, Hild is sort of appealing to Uhtred to, in turn, appeal to Alfred's better sensibility. Because hiding and waiting for him is not going to work out. Like, he has more men. Uhtred is outnumbered. That's not going to end well for him. So he has to sort of face up to the whole situation. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, so Hild goes back and, and Bianca comes with Alfred's, um, you know, offer of forgiveness in exchange for uh, Uhtred's kind of oath to Edward, which yeah. doesn't seem like a big deal until you think Edward's just a kid. Like, this is going right. to be for life. You're asking him to pledge his life to this kid. Right. Um, and he's already spent, like, a hell of a lot of years doing your dirty work. So Yeah, we're probably reaching... Yeah, I think we're reaching, like, 15 years or something. It's been a long time that Uhtred has been, you know, there for Alfred. And so this, this sort of demand for 100 pieces of silver for the Weir Guild and your oath, he's, like, like Uhtred says, like, you know, you're asking for my life. Mm-hmm. Like, this is it. You're you're so. trying to hide it as something like, oh, nothing big, just some silver and like your word that you'll serve my son when I'm dead. But that's actually if you take a second to think about it, that's just that's an insane ask. And yeah. I I don't know if Alfred really thought that he would say yes. I guess I guess he thought he might. I don't know. I mean he he loves like Uhtred is fond of Edward. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think maybe so maybe he thought that coupled with, you know, this threat of like, well, if you don't do this, you know, something bad's going to happen would tempt him. I don't know. You know, I think at this point, like, I think Uhtred would have been willing to help Edward, especially, you know, setting up his kingship after Alfred's death. You know, he's green. He needs somebody to help him. And I think if that wasn't a demand placed on him, he would have willingly given it at least for a few years while mm-hmm. he got established. <laughs> but the fact that, you know, Bayaka is all ride or die for Alfred and like screams at him about all that he's given him and Uhtred is, you know, reminding him that he earned it. 
Um, but yeah, I think the the fact that Alfred wants to strong arm him into giving his entire life really turns him off of something that he would have considered, I think, if it was handled a different way. Yeah. And again, we're kind of, you know, faced with this truth that if things aren't done on Alfred's terms, then, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't want them done. Like it has to be his way or no way. And it's so frustrating. And I think you see that when, when Uhtred comes into the hall and they have this kind of, you know, back and forth and Uhtred is like, I'm not doing this. Um, You You demand too much. Yeah. You see how exhausted Uhtred is by all of it. Right. And I think the thing is, I think Alfred kind of he agrees that, you know, his demands are unfair. Like he knows this is too much of an ask. But at the same time, he knows that he has the upper hand. So he's going to deny negotiation. You know, he tells Uhtred, you know, self-pity doesn't suit you. I'm allowing you to live. You will do as I ask. He's not asking. He's demanding. And that's I think that's Alfred's problem in a nutshell. Yeah. And so, you know, of course, that's not gonna fly with our our little hot-headed viking warrior (laughs) so um his logical next step is to take a knife to alfred's throat and hold him hostage while he kind of plans his little getaway um he forces bioka to kind of lock the door so it's just him and alfred out in the hall and he can kind of make this escape and before he does there's some very harsh words exchanged um yeah alfred shits himself i think and um an oath is broken so it's you know and pretty much done and you know i feel like usher dragged him into that hallway he really wanted to have just like a man-to-man conversation you know what i mean like the knife was hasty but i think he really how is he wanted to get him out there though <laughs> how is he gonna get him out there it's totally justified i, I get, get it I get um and i think I think he really hoped that if he could talk to Alfred one-on-one, they could have, you know, reached an accord of some kind. But Alfred was just, he's too proud and too angry, and it was never going to work. Oh, my gosh. And did you see, you know, so so after um, Uhtred flees, did you see, like, Alfred is kind of, like... Sad. He knows he fucked up. He's crying. Dude, I was like bottle up those crocodile tears and use them to wipe your shitty ass out it's like <laughs> it's, it's it's fake i don't have any sympathy for you you did this right right alfred never accepts personal responsibility for his failures only for his victories when they're actually usually utred's victories but whatever um <laughs> we're yeah not bitter about it we're not bitter i seem to have broken my oath lord with luck, the whole of Wessex will now burn. So yeah, Uhtred escapes, but he gets a spear wound from Steapa, who like you know hurls it at him at a rooftop and Just still a little parting you know, gift, right? And so they escape. Um, you know, it's the Cookham crew, and they take Skade with them uh. because she's bound to Uhtred with the curse. Um, and yeah, things start getting really bad. That wound doesn't help things. The curse doesn't help things. Like, Uhtred is in a really bad way. And they're heading to Dunholm to see Brita and to see Ragnar because, like, where else is he going to go? But I think sometimes Uhtred forgets that he's a dad. Like, who is taking care of his children <laughs> right now? Like, he's got three, I think. So, I mean, I guess Hild has them, but... Come on, man. I feel like before you flee the country, you need to, like, make provisions for your children. I mean, Maybe? I'm just assuming, like, he has a damn good nanny. <laughs> right. A great nanny. <laughs> Who's, all like, of super understanding and, like, right. women. <laughs> all of Hild's nuns take care of these poor orphaned <laughs> children. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think that is the first thing on Uhtred's mind, like, probably ever. But ever? especially Maybe? right now. Yeah. Um, because, as you said, that battle wound has festered. I mean, again, the importance of proper hygiene and maybe some hydrogen peroxide cannot <laughs> go, you know, be understated. Like, take a break and stitch die. up your, right, take a break and stitch up your open wound, please. I mean, just at least wash it with some water and maybe some soap. I don't know. Right. Um, the bare minimum. Because <laughs> hallucinations, you know, uh, induced by uh, septic infections are, are rough. Not great. But it gives us a chance to see Leofridge again so oh my God. yay I would like pass up any penicillin offered if it meant I could hallucinate Leofridge like <laughs> calling me Arsling like just one more time remember me Arsling 
get out of your bed and make ready. For what? To fight me. Fritz, I do not wish to fight you. Why would I fight you? You will fight me, you piece of shit. Right, right. And, you know, he's very, it's a very aggressive hallucination. And there's, this isn't comforting at all to Uhtred because, you know, he's basically telling him, hey, man, you know, get better. If Alfred can be king when he's all sickly, you can get over this, you know, flesh wound and lead your men. Yeah. And he's also kind of berating um, Uhtred for breaking his oath and for like choosing to go back to the Danes when he yeah. is a Saxon. And um, I think it's, it's, you know, obviously it's the, the fever dreams, but it's also kind of a manifestation of Uhtred's guilt because as sure, you know, that oath breaking was coming. It's been a long time in the making, but I think it still bothers someone like Uhtred, who is such a man of his word and, you know, has such a, a core like moral integrity about him. Definitely. It, it, there was no other choice, but he also hates that he had to do it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and the fact that he's, you know, he's made his men who are so loyal to him, he's made them wanted men as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so this wasn't just a decision that he made for themself, for himself. He made it for a lot of people who are counting on him. Um, yeah. So like Uhtred's in the back of a cart. He's hallucinating. He's dying. It's really bad. And in other parts of the kingdom, you know, you've got Athelwald continuing to stir the shit, going to visit Athelred and is like, hey, buddy, if I'm going to be <laughs> king of Wessex, I'll let you be king of Mercia. So why don't you do me a solid and maybe kill your wife? Ugh. Bad. These these ethels, man. Um, never trust a male <laughs> ethel. Never trust the ethels. Yeah. So, so Ethelwald, um, he sees this opening that he's he's helped to create. He mm-hmm. hires some men to form his own guard. He heads off to Mercia. Um, Ethelred, I guess, has just been like petting his hawk for a while. I don't know what he does there. Um, he just kind of lazes around as <laughs> he's a, lazy a gentleman of leisure. <laughs> Yeah, sure, we'll call that. Um, yeah. And so he he proposes this alliance because he knows, like like himself, Ethelred is, is envious of Alfred. He mm. wants more than what he has. He's going to mm-hmm. play on that. Um, now's the time to kind of strike when Alfred's weak and Edward's still just a boy. Um, and it's pretty shitty that uh, Ethelwald is, like, so quick to be like, you know what, though? You're going to have to do away with Ethelfled because everyone respects her more. And they say that she's the real warrior and you're just a pretty boy. Um, it just kind of sucks. Like, that's your that's your blood. Right. <laughs> and, and what are you doing, man? And Ethelred falls for it so quickly. Like, I feel like if you have to shriek, my men are my own, they aren't your own. You yeah. know? He knows what like he's that, saying is true. Right. It's like in Game of Thrones when um, Tywin Lannister was like, no king that has to say that he's the king is actually the king. Mm -hmm. I just butchered that quote. But you know what I'm saying? Like, if you have to if you have to say it instead of showing it, it's not a great position to be in. Um, But yeah, so Athelwold sort of finds a um, stronghold there with Athelred. And then he moves on to Heston and Bloodhair in an attempt to raise an army from them. So Athelwald is really using all of his capital at this point to try and, you know, raise an army against Edward. And it's going better than I expected. Yeah. I mean, he's making moves. He's holding up those olive branches pretty high. I mean, it's it's going down and it's it's going down according to plan, at least from his point of view. Um, mm-hmm. he's, he's kind of convinced Ethelred to partner with him, get rid of Ethelfled. He's convinced Heston and Bloodhair to go up north, partner with Ragnar and Uhtred. Even mm-hmm. though there's, there's bad blood between them, you know, the, the greater goal of, you know, taking out Alfred and, and conquering Wessex, that's, you know, that's the jewel. That's what every Dane wants, apparently. Sure. So it's the enemy, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, you know, he's very... Saying came from yes <laughs> right um right yeah no we're not gonna give him that credit but it, it's that's the idea and um it doesn't take much i mean these danes are like so bloodthirsty it really you you just have to like point to a hill and be like there would be a good let's place fight. for a battle <laughs> right <laughs> and they're like yeah i'm down let's do it <laughs> got no place yeah. today right Right. So, yeah, while Athelwald is, you know, 
making deals in shady places. Um, they're um, Finnan and everybody is taking Uhtred north to Brita because Brita will know how to save him. Like Brita knows how to break a curse. Brita knows how to dress a wound. Like she get knows him everything. to Brita. She knows everything because she's the queen and she's the best. Um, yeah. So Leo Fritch comes back as a specter again and calls him a traitor and tells him to fight him. And like in this second hallucination, it's even more intense because Utra starts responding to him and everybody can hear him talking to somebody that's not there. And they're like, holy shit, this is really bad. Um, but luckily, Brita shows up at the right minute. And yeah, I mean, it was getting dark there. Like, there was a moment. Yeah. There was a moment in that tent when Fennin got super emotional over uh, how sickly Utrid was. Um, it broke my heart. <laughs> I know. Well, he's so used to seeing him as such a powerful man to see yeah, that's him brought low like this. It's his best friend, man. He and looks up to him. Like, what right. do you do without him? Right. And to see him brought low like that over something that seemed, you know, relatively insignificant at the time is is striking I yeah think. and it's it's um you know I think so we we do have to like kind of talk about obviously <clears throat> the um you know educated like believers of science that we are know that you know he didn't clean his wound that's why he's sick but right. not everyone thinks that way especially back then and to have skate over here like throwing out curses left and right Ugh, um, the worst and then all of a sudden Utrecht to like come down ill off of a, a flesh wound that normally you know probably wouldn't bother him um it starts to kind of like ramp up that eerie feeling Tension. Of, like something's going on that we we just don't understand we don't know and we don't know how to fight it and that's mm-hmm. the scariest thing is like these dudes know how to fight they can take on anything, and this is something they feel like they can't take on. It's often and something my insights outward. And killer. Let me do it for you. No. Utrid. Fear your own. And at one point, um, our sweet Citric, who is so pretty but just i don't think he's the smartest you know um he's more of the he's more of the silent type <laughs> he's the silent but he says something he says she is the worm and utrid is the apple and i'm like yes oh my god citric like yes metaphors let's do it <laughs> say um, more things we like it when you talk <laughs> yeah who knew you're so deep um yeah it's so it's like everyone is kind of clued into this fact that she holds some kind of power over him. And right. I think that coupled with, you know, his wound and how sick he is, is really starting to look like it might defeat him before Brita comes. Um, yeah. When, she comes. when Finnick, Finnin, like, chokes out, I fear you're dying. I was oh, like, oh. God. And then he, like, offers to kill. He's like, I'll kill the witch. And I'm like, oh. Do it, please. Alyssa, I would kill a witch who cursed you if you needed to. Oh, my God. Too. Thank you. I would do the same. All right. kill that witch pact yes (laughs) um so yeah so brita brita shows up in the middle of the night like kind of just in time like you said and yeah um they bring him to yeah she yeah she saw him on the road so like she didn't just like magically appear she saw them (laughs) knew they were coming I mean, she saw them on the road, but, like, did she have a vision of them coming? I don't know. Probably. She's got, she just like, knew. so many superpowers. Uh, um, I love her so much. And she <laughs> – one of her superpowers, we have to say, is dealing with that redheaded asshole, Knut. Knut. Uh, the worst. I, I'm never going to say – I really just want to call him cunt. Like, I just uh, – It's, it's a lot. It's it's one of those when I see it written out, I have to, like, mentally block and be like, nope, that's no, not it. Don't that's, say it like that's, that. That's, that's not it. Um, but yeah, so he's there. He's, you know. He's Ragnar's to, cousin. Ragnar's cousin. Side. Right. And he's trying to get with Brita real <sighs> bad. Um, but yeah, so she deals with him. She gets Uhtred to Dunholm. She f- fixes his wound and she blocks the curse. She takes this ram's head on a spike called a nithstong mm-hmm. and puts it outside of skade's cell and basically like blocks her chakra i guess and she can't <laughs> throw curses anymore you will not throw curses not here not now i have this nithstong to block your powers this is freya's soil now 
and the goddess who brought the magic to the gods would protect us. Um, so yeah, she renders, you know, Skade toothless and, you know, Uhtred immediately starts to get better. So I think they do a really good job of like playing with the idea of like, well, is she really throwing curses or is it just because Uhtred finally got rest and cleaned his wound that he starts to heal? You know, it's... Right. It's, the timing is all very like... It's planned. It's very meticulous on the part of the show. And we're supposed to, like, kind of question everything. Which yeah. I like. I do, too. Personally, I love this mythology shit. Like, oh, yeah. Let's talk about Freya. Let's talk about the gods. Let's do more ram's heads. Yes. This I is doubt. Freya's soil now. <laughs> Hell, yeah. I'm all for that. God, I want to say that to, like, someone who right? pisses me off. <laughs> this is Freya's soil I'm now. I'm tied to Freya. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so so Brita kind of knows how to work that. And I think it's interesting coming from Brita because she is so smart and just so, like, common sense smart, you know? Like, she's street smart. Yeah. And she still sees the threat that someone like Skade poses. Like, she has a power, whether it's, like, an actual magical power or just the power that Uhtred is giving her over him. Right. That kind of manipulation. Yeah. There's something – she's got something – um, that threatens Uhtred and it's very real and Brita wants to give him an opportunity to fight it um, but only when she you know kind of decides that he's he's worthy of it <laughs> yeah yeah plus the idea like Skate is so bitchy in this moment which like to be fair I would be too if somebody took away my power but the idea that mm-hmm. she thinks that she could kill Brita is comical to me like Honey. you're not the one who gets <laughs> okay. to do that sit down yeah like just reevaluate your place this is not it this is not who you want to step to right um and yeah, so so Uhtred, you know, gets better after the the whole ram's head planting incident, and um, he's eating and he's palling around with uh, Ragnar, and it's it, he's kind of they have this back and forth where he's like, "You're a Dane now, like you're back where you belong. You should right. be a Dane." Yeah, and it makes Ragnar so happy. I know. And I just know it's not gonna last, but I just loved like their little interaction. You're a Dane for life now. Say it. I am a Dane for life. Well, say it. I am a Dane for life. Mean it! I am a Dane for life. From this day onwards. From this day onwards. I mean, you can feel like how relieved Ragnar is to have him back and then you can also feel the tension coming from Uhtred when plans of attacking Alfred or marching on Wessex are like eventually brought up yeah um because that's what Danes do and so it is what Danes do we're already presented with this like schism of like yeah like we're happy to be home but what does it really mean to be here yeah, you know, I, I just, I always love when Ragnar and Uhtred are together. I always think of that line from Tommy Boy, brothers don't shake hands, brothers got a hug. <laughs> and I just, like, I love them together. And, you know, this moment, I think Uhtred gets really caught up in it, too, um, because, you know, Ragnar welcomes him back, like you said, and Uhtred is like, all right, I'm a Dane for life. And I'm just like, man, again, you're making these choices for the people that follow you without any kind of thinking about what's going to happen for them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, you know, Uchi sort of makes this unanimous decision for his men that really might not fly, you know. Um, when they start talking about what they're going to do next, Ragnar's like, all right, well, since you told me that Alfred is weak, let's march south. Let's go march on Wessex. And I don't see how Uhtred could have thought that that wasn't going to be how things went. Um, because, like, obviously, everybody wants to take out Alfred, and that's what the Danes have always wanted. So now that they know that he's weak, yeah, of course they're going to try and take out Alfred. You know, and... Finnan points out that they have like they have friends and family in Wessex. This isn't cool. And you know, Finnan's like, "All right, I came out here to have a good time, maybe do some <laughs> hunting." And I'm feeling real attacked right now. Um, he doesn't want war with Alfred. None of these men want war with Alfred. And for Uhtred to kind of agree to that was pretty thoughtless, honestly. 
Yeah, I mean, can Finnan just, like, live for a fucking second? Right! He wants a nap, he wants a woman, and he wants time to take up a new hobby. <laughs> right! He's on a bike, guys. He's been wanting to try knitting for a while. Please let him do that without sending him into war. Uh, it's just so much right now. He's it is. He's done enough. <laughs> it's a lot. Um, so, yeah, so that's that's kind of where things end. And Well, he has that talk with Brita first. Yeah, which I, I feel I like just, we should, we uh, should really unpack that because i don't like it i will see like i don't like it but like i also kind of love it i their <laughs> their their friendship is so good and she knows him so well like even though you know the you know they've been they've been parted for years and she can still read him better than anybody and he still values her opinion over everybody's and so that part of the conversation i do like but oh, i don't yeah. i don't like the reveal that she can't have children and so Ragnar is like you know spreading it around outside of the relationship Mm. like I get it he needs an heir but also ugh, like you know earlier Canute asked her how you know why she let him make a fool of her and he kind of is like even if Brita's made her peace with it like him stepping out so often and so willingly is just Brita deserves better. She always deserves better, but she really deserves better from Ragnar. Yeah, I mean, so here's the thing. Like, the the kind of, like, rational part of me understands, like, back in that time. It was different. Having an heir was a very important thing, especially if you were a Viking warrior. The rest of his line has kind of been, like, you know, burned out, literally. Literally. Everyone in his family is dead. So I get that he wants to carry on the Ragnarsson name. And maybe that would mean, like, you know, you would you would have a child with someone else. But one is enough. I right. I mean, like, it's to the sound of the, the way, like, everyone makes it sound. He's been, like, hitting up multiple ladies, like, multiple baby mamas. Lots yeah. of, like, you know, chitlin running around. <laughs> running around the Danish hall. <laughs> um, yeah. And so that's where it, like, kind of crosses the line for me into mm. something that's not just practical anymore it feels like this is clearly like even just having one kid with another woman i'm sure would hurt but i can't imagine how painful it is for brita to know that like he is regularly you know getting with other women and having babies yeah that sucks it sucks and so she sort of ends the conversation saying ragnar is my child which i feel like every woman trying to date a millennial (laughs) man feels that in her bones Um, so yeah, she tells Uhtred, you know, betray him and I'll kill you. You have to undo the past and destroy Alfred. So I think Brita being the one to sort of talk sense into Uhtred and make him realize the reality of what he's done is super fitting because she's always been, you know, the voice of reason for him. For him and for this show. Yes. <laughs> Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash to watch. Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Okay, guys, so now it's time for our next episode wishes. This is when we issue our demands for upcoming episodes like the spoiled toddlers that we are. 
Here's what we want to see, when we want to see it, and why we won't be denied. Alyssa, what are you looking forward to next episode? Well, this was a super emotional episode. You know, yes. Uhtred and Alfred seemingly break for good. And while, you know, it's I'm so torn when I think about them because their relationship is so toxic at this point. But I don't think either of them can really do better. You know, like the Danes can't give Uhtred all that Alfred has given him. They can't give him the wealth. They can't give him the title. They can't give him the life that he's enjoyed for a long time. And, but at the same time, you know, Uhtred has given Alfred better serve that service than he deserves as well. Um, so it's just, it's really messy. And after they're falling out, it's really only going to get worse. You know, I wish these two would just like kiss and make up and realize each other's value. But I know that's not going to happen. But I really, I think that Uhtred knows that he doesn't really belongs with the, belong with the Danes anymore either. And his men certainly aren't on board. So... I don't know. I just I think his hasty decision to kind of rejoin Ragnar's cause is going to have some serious fallout. And, you know, I think I think what would kind of, you know, ease the blow would be killing Skate. Please kill Skate. It's time (laughs) for yourself and for us. Right. Please spare Um, us for her trying to continue to take Gisela's place. You're never going to be Gisela, Skate. Never. Just quit. Like You can't fill her shoes. Right. Yeah, I think. I think you're right. Like, there, there aren't a lot of options. Um, back in medieval days, if you're a Viking warrior looking to serve, like, a, a worthy lord. Mm-hmm. Um, so as annoying as Alfred is, I think, you know, Uhtred's going to Uhtred's gonna miss that kind of, um, that certainty and that stability that he had under sure. Alfred. And honestly, I, I have no clue what I want to see next episode. Like, I feel, you know, it'd be nice to watch Uhtred kind of hand Alfred his ass some more because he deserves mm. it. But sure. you get the feeling that that's, you know, that's something that Uhtred is very reluctant to do. Um, marching on Wessex, you know, is also a problem since they've got friends and family there. And, yeah, I don't think Ragnar and Breeder are going to be Soup's understanding of any of that. Probably so. not. Probably not. <laughs> For the first time, it feels like, I feel like Uhtred's always had one foot in each camp. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, Right now, that's the worst place to be because he. So now he's tried to like cross over to the fence and to to Dane land and, and to be a Dane and, um, but his heart's not fully in it. Sure, so it's like it just does not bode well for him for the Cookham crew. I'm very worried and yeah, I mean, I guess Killscape. That's the only thing I can say <laughs> for next episode. <laughs> Give us something to root for, damn it! Right, right. <laughs> Um, The Last Kingdom has a massive cast of interesting characters, and nearly everyone gets their time to shine. Our arsling of the episode is the character who truly goes above and beyond to win the war or simply win our hearts. Jessica, who is your arsling this week? Okay, I think think we've all known um, what a treasure Finnan is. Yes. But he showed up and showed out for Uhtred this episode in such a big way. Yeah. Um... He, like, disturbed Holy Ground to help him dig up his wife's corpse. He helped him escape Wessex. He played concerned nursemaid when he got sick. He took him to Brita. Like, He's a real all one. All the things. Yeah. Yeah. All the things. And, you know, there are friendship goals and then there are, you know, medieval friendship goals. And I think Finnan definitely medieval friendship goals yeah i just he's the gale to utrid's oprah mm. and i gotta respect that ride or die <laughs> commitment yeah that <laughs> the is medieval the medieval oprah winfrey and gale king <laughs> you get a sword and you get a sword <laughs> everybody gets a sword <laughs> oh my god yeah please someone like make that meme <laughs> right please um yeah, I mean, I totally get that choice. I'm going to go Brita because I have missed her. Um, and she wasn't, you know, she didn't come around until later in the episode, but she made, you know, she made such a huge impact on the time that she was there. You know, she healed Uhtred. She brought the heat down on Skade. She blocked the curse. She kept her head high when her man was out doing whatever he was doing. Like, I miss having her as a regular player on the show and seeing her, you know, working with Uhtred again just made that feeling all the more stark to me you know our northern queen deserves the world and more and it was so good to see her again in this episode and also emily cox is just such a brilliant actress she's so good she does so much with just a look you know what i mean like she's so expressive so talented emily cox we stand 
She's the best. And I think you can feel like when she's in a scene, it feels like everyone like steps up their game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's something about her presence, especially when she's like partnered with like Uhtred and Ragnar's son and it's, or Ragnar and Uhtred and Brita, it's all three of them together. There's mm-hmm. something about that group. And I feel like it's, it's really Emily's like performance that is the glue. You know what I mean? There's yeah. just something there. Yeah, um, I 100% so yeah, we lo- agree. We love you, Emily. Right. <laughs> um, kisses, yeah. Okay. Get ready to shame none, the worst character of the episode with us. It doesn't matter if you're Saxon or Dane. Anyone can be a turd, and we're calling out the biggest one of the episode. So, Alyssa, who, like, just really grinded your gears. Grinded <laughs> my gears. Okay, Um, I'm going to go for a double header of graspers in this episode. Like, you've got Athelwald, who's sort of seeing his opportunity to kind of um, snake the throne away from Ed- Edward after Alfred's eventual death. So he's, you know, doing what he does and stirring the shit and making moves to sort of destabilize the kingdom so that, you know, when Alfred does die everything will be chaos and people like Athelwald thrive on that kind of chaos and so he's ensuring that it's going to happen um and additionally he's really he's giving Athelred the ammunition that he needs to take out Athelfled which is never cool in my book and you know Athelred is the sort of second head of the snake that I hate in this episode you know he's super ready to kill the queen kill her daughter and he's just he's ready to be on board with this new vision of England that is a lot less unified and has really just shitty leadership. So can we just obliterate both of these dickheads, please? Yes. Like, no more power for them. Just take them out. Yeah, totally down with that. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and I think, you know, we're starting to see that Ethelwald is just is more than just, like, a drunk who's fun to laugh at sometimes. He's yeah. a real problem. Yeah. Um, so as annoying as Ethelwald's scheming is, as tiresome as Ethelred's, you know, murder plotting while stroking my pet hawk <laughs> vibes are um <laughs> and as much as i wish like brita would have speared that ram's head like right through skade's face tattoos uh, right there with you my you know turd of this episode it's got to be alfred I and mean, mm. he's just the ultimate shitbag this week and I kind of literally literally it's <laughs> yuck okay um <laughs> such good puns here um on just a couple of our slings yeah so punishing (laughs) punishing your best warrior because he bitch slapped your lecherous monk who kept calling his dead wife a whore is like such a choice and it's it's a bad look one a bad look (laughs) wrong one dude you like deserve to shit yourself with fear um and i hope that you know his beloved england won't exist much longer because he's exiled his like its best hope of survival and i think he deserves to see it burn before he dies you know and i think he knows that too like there's that moment with him and aleswith when they're talking about all right this is bad we need to sort of redirect from losing utrid and you know losing some power and all of that Mm. so they're like all right we got to get edward married and it's got to be a good one and so he knows that he really fucked up with utrid and he knows that that's that's a destabilization that the kingdom cannot handle right now. And so yeah. he's he's got his back against the wall. It is not good to be Alfred right now. You done did it, bro. Sorry. It was all you. <laughs> now, this is clearly a very serious podcast about a very serious show, but sometimes it's nice to indulge in a little thirst. It's 2019, the world is on fire, and honestly, we deserve this. So this is our time to celebrate the thirstiest moments that really blew our skirts up this episode. Jessica, would you like to start yes. us off on Horny Corner? <laughs> horny Corner? <laughs> is that our like, nickname for the segment now? I love it. Um, <laughs> why, yes, I would. So the hottest thing about this episode has got to be Finnan. Yep. Um, in all of his forms. Finnan staring down Stiapa and singling out Ethelwald as the first Saxon he would kill. I mean, like, I know it's dark and it's weird. Embrace it. But... You know what? Nothing gets those lady bits tinkling quite like an Irish hunk who knows how to wield his sword, if you know what I mean. Wink, wink. You can't see me, but wink, wink. And wield those witty insults. Um, That's a hard agree from me. Um, You know, when he tells Uhtred that he's looking for a woman while they're amongst the Danes, I volunteer as tribute to be that woman. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> Put my name in that bowl right. a thousand times. Right. Effie Trinket, pull my name, please. Uh. 
<laughs> yeah, Finnan Finnan was the saving grace because it was a it was a heavy it was dark a, episode. it was a heavy episode. So we need you know a little eye candy and a little you know witty repartee. And who's better at that than this guy? No, no one. one. All right, guys. I think it's safe to say that we have never been accused of being unenthusiastic in our fandom. We annoy our friends, our family, and now you are devoted listeners. Welcome to Geek Out, where we will offer up our humble suggestions about what we think you should be watching and reading. And Alyssa, I think... We have the we same have one! The same one! Yes! <laughs> I watched this last night, so I'm, like, ready to talk about it. Oh, my God. Okay. okay. The new Netflix movie, The King, slaps. It's so good. I really <laughs> enjoyed it. It's a banger. I really enjoyed it. And I could listen to Robert Pattinson's silly French accent every day until I died. Okay, so I, I I literally just wrote a piece about Robert Pattinson because we're having like a renaissance, a Pattinson renaissance. Yes. He's just so, he's, he's such a master of like reinvention and mm-hmm. I feel like he gets a bad rap for the Twilight days. Which isn't but, fair. I, you know what? I never would have guessed that in 2019 I would be like defending Twilight, but I will be one of those people oh. that defends Twilight. Oh yeah, I'll I'll go to the mat for Twilight. <laughs> that especially that first movie. That movie took risks. Yes, I mean, there was. Catherine Hardwick did a good job. Catherine Hardwick, she is so underrated, and that first movie especially is so underrated. Um, but I think there are things about that series, not even just like the films themselves, but about the hysteria surrounding Twilight that kind sure. of has stuck with some of them um, worse than others. Yeah. I think he's been one. Yeah. And you've seen Kristen Stewart like do this like brilliantly. She's They've done both it done well. it so well to sort um, of return to indie roots, show that they're actually great actors yes. who did their best with bad material. And I think they're both like thriving now. But yeah, Robert yes. Pattinson, the Dauphine the of time France, of his life, y'all. Like, <laughs> I think he's he said in an interview. He said, um, "So Lily Rose Depp um, plays uh, the French princess who who ends up kind of getting, you know, thrown to to Timothy Chalamet's king at the right. end. Um, if you know your history, this is shouldn't be a spoiler, right? But um, <laughs> this so happened think- six hundred years ago. <laughs> Read a book." <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think so. Pattinson plays uh, her brother, the the Dauphine of France, and he's mm. oh god, he's so good. So he's but the I'm most. Pretty sure that Pattinson has said in an interview that he they were trying to come up with his look for the character, and he saw photos of um, Lily Rose Depp in costume, and he said, "I want to be a princess." Oh my too. god! And that's why he has the long hair. It's perfect. I, it's I mean, so it's genius. Yeah. Like, Oh, just these little choices that he makes playing this dude. I heard that he, I also heard that he sort of based the accent on the people who dressed him for Dior. So like, I heard that too. Yeah. Yeah. I saw somebody tweeting about that on Twitter and yeah. He's having a damn good time, you guys. He, yeah, he really, like he's only on screen for maybe like 10 minutes max, but he like makes the most of every single frame. And just like you said, he looks like he's having a great time. He had a good time. He got to be a princess, and he cut that check and ran. Right. (laughs) He got that Netflix money. Good for (laughs) you, our pads. Um, But, yeah, Um, it's... But there's more to this movie than just how that accent Robert Pattinson is. Yes. Like, I thought the cinematography was really beautiful. It was Mm. such a well-made movie. I thought Timothy Chalamet was great. I always think Timothy Chalamet is great. (sighs) Um, Precious little cinnamon roll oh but he's so good he was so good in this movie um i can't wait to see him in little women he's gonna ruin my life um but yeah i thought the movie was great like you know because it's based it's kind of a mix of like actual history and the shakespeare Mm -hmm. plays so it's Mm -hmm. it's not 100 percent historically accurate but i thought they did a really good job of you know using the history to tell a great story and to make a good movie you know because like there was that um there was the one last year, Outlaw King, with Chris Pine and yes. about Robert the Bruce. And it just, I don't know, it just it felt so dull and it never really got off the ground, except for Florence Pugh, who's always amazing and will also Ugh. destroy me in Little Women. Um, but yeah, I thought this, I was kind of worried that this was kind of, would kind of fall in the same category as Outlaw King, but I thought it was a lot better. Yeah, I feel like there's, I mean, you... You can only do so much with, like, what's from the history book. I feel like you have to add... I mean, if it's going to be a movie, like a a two-hour movie that we're sitting through, there has to be some drama. There has to be some entertainment. And I think 
it also like depends on the subject. I feel like I mean I love Chris Pine. It, he's a brilliant actor. I just he cannot do a Scottish accent. No, yeah, I was not interested in hearing his Scottish accent. Mm-hmm. I'll have to say I was a little upset at how overblown his full frontal scene. It was nothing was in the promos, and it was nothing. Right. Um. <laughs> and I think <laughs> I think just like the the whole like Robert the Bruce kind of storyline just wasn't fleshed out enough. There just wasn't enough in it to like grip me the way this one did yeah. i mean i know that a lot of that is because timothy chalamet is just ugh, best actor of his best. generation the best actor of his generation for sure yeah um, i you know i thought they did a really good job of like making the sort of macro struggles really interesting like him becoming mm-hmm. king and dealing with england while also making the relationship level stuff really good like i loved his stuff with falstaff and joel edgerton is ugh. so good like they did a really good job of making the personal and the political interesting yeah agreed um so yeah so go see it i mean enjoy whatever the hell movie robert pattinson thought he was in right Um, it may have been a different one than everyone else but it's a one that i would watch excellent yeah (laughs) um but yeah it's 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 really great i love history i love when we do like these big epics about like historical things me too i would i would like to see more um you know done about women of history so maybe we can do that please please like that's the one thing i like i know history whatever but like there were not a lot of women in this movie at all we got there was literally one well there's well there's like five minutes there's the sister too who got one significant (laughs) scene but like yeah right always a sister in these kinds of right so yeah maybe we should tell some stories that include more women where is my eleanor of aquitaine biography film like make it please anyway but yeah watch the king on netflix it was really good all right guys i think are we done yeah i think so um, oh, if you want to hear, lead us out. <laughs> if you want to hear more of our bullshitting, check us out on Twitter or over at Sci-Fi Way or Fangirls. We've got links to everything below this episode. And until next time, destiny is all bitches. Bye.